stay with the coach. Day 20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Underground Radio, bringing you all of the very best Pokemon news and views this side of Twist Mountain. I'm Atiel. And I'm Sam. For today's broadcast, we'll be celebrating episode number 50, recapping our week in Pokemon, announcing our winner for our double team segment, having a discussion with some special guests to the show, reading back our answers of the week, and spotlighting a very musical Pokemon from the Sinnoh region. So sit back, relax, and give your Radio Rotome what it wants. All right. Well, I think it's going to be a slower week in Chatter since it's only been a few days since the last episode went up. You you would think so. One well, would hope anyway. <laughs> well, we'll get through it as fast as we can because we got a really awesome main topic on the way. So. Oh, yeah. Um, we had some kind of sad news come up that we talked about last week and that's one of our elite four members is leaving league um he is actually moving to another city because his girlfriend got accepted into a grad school program up at und which is really awesome for them but really sad for us because adam is one of our best players at league oh yeah um so his elite four spot was up for grabs this last week and we had sort of a mini round robin tournament to determine who was going to be able to challenge him for his spot this upcoming week Yep, we the placings uh, first through, I think we had six potential people who got through it. Uh, those first through six are going to be in order, the first to the last people who will be able to challenge Adam for his spot. And uh, yeah, we've there were a bunch of people who showed up and tried out for it. I eventually found out later on that some of them were actually going to be going to a con this upcoming week. So, you know, their participation was kind of moot on that. that But you know, whatever. And Adam liked how like that we set it up for him. He wasn't able to be there this week. So I don't know. He was a little upset about that, but Everything seems to have worked out now, and here's, you know, good luck to Adam for this next week. And I told him that if he just paves over everybody, uh, all of his challengers this next week, then he can decide who gets his spot. I'm okay with that idea. I think that's probably the best way to handle that whole situation. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll take care of that this week. We mm-hmm. also had a really, we had, we had some new signups at League this last week, too. A a couple of kids and a couple of people close to our age. Yes, we did. It was a little little interesting there for a while. It was, I don't know, the whole process of signing up minors is a little difficult, but the father who was there was fantastic for helping me out. He was, he really 
you know, grasped what was going on. And after I looked up the instructions on the internet, I was able to help him out with that, and we got it all figured out. And he seemed very appreciative after all of the running around and, you know, stressing out over it that I was doing. But everything got figured out in the end. So, good Good news. news. (laughs) Um, It'll be good to have a couple more people our age there as well. Um, Our league pool was getting a little bit stagnant, so I'm kind of hoping that now with some fresh blood, we'll start seeing some word-of-mouth expansion again and getting some more people into the battling pool. Oh, yeah. And hopefully with this upcoming season that we have here, the we're going to be holding some IV breeding and EV training classes for anybody who would be interested, and hopefully that'll stir up some interest too. True story. All right, so... In more, like, personal, non-league-related Pokemon chatter... I continued to breed some more golets. And how did that work out for you? I was disappointed. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, it was one of those things where, like, I have a a relatively superior one that will work, like I talked about last week. And, you know, it's fine and everything, but I really kind of wanted to try for something a little better. And all I've been popping out are rel subs. And I keep getting ones with perfect special attacks. Hmm. Which is stupid. <laughs> it does nothing for Golurk. So I just, oh, it was, it was a little frustrating. And I think that I'm just going to be done and keep the relatively superior Golet that I had last week and just quick blow him through EV training and be done with it. I suppose. I don't know. I, If I recall right, I had a little trouble breeding Golurk too. He was, I don't know, It's it's, in theory, it should be just super easy to breed a Golurk because he all you have to do is stick him with a ditto and put the items on him and go. Yeah, but it it just it hasn't been that easy and so I think like I don't anticipate Golurk being like the star player on this team anyway, so I think I'm done trying this hard. Well, yeah. But that's you know that's that's where I'm at with Golurk. I see. Hurrah. Huzzah. You've kind of had a, a chore going on, too, though. Yes. I did manage to uh, soft reset for my Tarakian. I managed to catch one, but it took me three days of uh, of soft resetting to be able to get it. And the, I, the nature I got was not ideal. I got a naughty one, which lowers defense and raises attack, I think, is what it is. But uh, I... I don't know, his IVs are okay. It's uh, 30, 27, 18, 17, 21, and 27. So it's not terrible. Um, I could scarf it and just have it go to work there if I feel the desire to use him. But, you know, I can always get another one at some point in time, too. And this just means that I've finished the whole soft resetting for legendary Pokemon for the Unova decks, and I can continue on with the rest of it. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know, I was also... I also did some battling at League this week, which was really new for me. I mean, the last couple of... probably the last month, I haven't done a whole lot in terms of breeding. It's mostly been administrative stuff, like getting people signed up and, you know, talking to people and making sure they do things that they're supposed to, that sort of thing. Yeah. But, uh, 
I was battling, and the only two battles that I was able to get in were single battles. And while the guy who was while the guy who I was battling, you know, was you know he was okay, and you know I did sort and I did have fun battling him. I don't know. It was in singles, and it was really boring. <laughs> Are you officially bored with singles battles? Well, it's just so easy to predict everything. I mean, if you, it's if I have my melodic out there and he sends out, say, oh, I don't know, like a Starmie or something, it's not going to use Ice Beam. It's not going to use Psychic. It's going to use Thunderbolt. And I know it's going to use Thunderbolt. So I just switch in for my Flygon and it absorbs the attack. And, you know, he'll keep in the Starmie. The next time around, my Flygon's out. I know it's not going to use... Ice Beam, I know it's going to use Thunderbolt because, I don't know, it's just, I don't know. No, I can I can totally see that. And I think it's, you know, well, the but doubles battles are so different. Yes, and they are. they're literally a, a different world. And it's a world that we've been involved in for a while now. So mm-hmm. I, can, I can see how going back to singles battles might have been a bit more on the meh side. Yeah, I don't know. It's doubles or doubles is just so much more fun because there's so much more that's going on out there and you can use so many more pokemon than you normally are than are normally viable in singles play. So, I don't know, it's just I don't know, something. I've I'll just have to keep encouraging double battles at league to get people onto on board the doubles train as it were. So, I can get behind that. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Exactly. Um, otherwise, I've been working on the Pokedex. Uh, Pokedex completion is uh, coming along pretty nicely. I'm getting into the last 30 or so Pokemon I need to complete the Unova decks anyway. Wow. But I'm also starting to get to the point where uh, I have to start trading with uh, trading items. You know, you have to, like, trade over a Pokemon with a deep sea scale to make it evolve and whatnot. Yeah. And that's going to be seven shades of expensive if I can't find people to temporarily trade with in order to be able to pick up the items. I can see it. that. Um, but yeah, other than that, my only other big thing is that I've also been looking into the ability Infiltrator, and oh, it's I don't know, it's nothing. It's not really more than like a curiosity at this point. But I I really wonder why nobody ever uses Pokemon with Infiltrator because the idea behind Infiltrator is really awesome. If a Pokemon throws up Safeguard, you can still inflict status conditions onto them through the Safeguard. If they're starting to uh, if they're starting to put up mist to prevent their stats from being lowered, you can still icy wind and lower their speed. I don't know, it seems like a really good idea, but maybe it's because the walls that Infiltrator infiltrates are so underused in competitive play that that's the reason that Infiltrator isn't used that often. I can see that being the case. But yeah, that's pretty much my just general curiosity thing. But that's all that I've been doing for Pokemon. Yeah, my only other thing um, is that, as I've been talking about the past few weeks now, uh, my friend Ross, who I am sort of 
teaching about Pokemon now since he hasn't played a Pokemon game since Yellow. Um, mm-hmm. He fought Getsus this week. Oh, and, nice. and I was so proud. Um, he, he got absolutely reamed by Getsus his first time, but... Oh, dear. Well, he's he's been using the team that I bred him the whole way through the game, which made me kind of blushy, because I thought for sure that he would switch out some of the Pokemon as he went through, but mm-hmm. he's stuck with those six that I bred him, and I thought that was really kind of cute. Um, but oh, yeah. what, the problem that he's run into is that there's no ice on that team, and oh. Hydreigon ruined him. Yeah, Hydreigon would definitely ruin somebody's day. Yeah, like, the first time that he fought him, it had gotten to the point where he was just, like, he was constantly reviving Pokemon in an effort to hopefully PP stall him. And I was oh, like, no. I was like, sweet, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I got more revives than you have Dragon Pulses. And I was like, maybe, but there's Dark Pulses coming. The Dark, I remember that Hydreigon battle the first time I went through Black, and that was not a fun battle. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, like I, I felt really bad. Um, but we've been talking about, you know, what what he can do on his next run through with him. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that he'll he'll get through that. I was. It's so funny because like the Pokemon that I thought that he was gonna like the most is not the Pokemon he likes the most. Really. I really thought that he was because he liked the um, design of Houndoom when he was going in, and that's the only reason I bred him a Houndoer was so that he could oh. have a Houndoom on his team. And I thought for sure that was going to be the one that he liked the most as he was going through. But his favorite on his team is Relicanth. Relicanth. And I just bred him the Relicanth kind of on a whim because I was like, well, what am I What am I going to throw in here? And I was like, you know what? I really love my Relicanth. I'm going to breed him a Relicanth because nobody uses him. And mm-hmm. he just freaking loves this Relicanth. Relicanth and you have worked out very well in the past. And oh, it only yes, makes yes. sense. <laughs> That a relicant that you've bred now is just destroying everything. It has been pretty fantastic. So that was that's kind of fun too. I've been I've been kind of enjoying that whole experience with him and seeing him enjoying himself and like learning about this as he goes. So it's, oh, yeah. been, it's been cool. Um, but that's that's literally the only other thing that I've got this week. So okay. Sweet. So I guess that means we'll head over to the news desk. Sounds good. And as always, we will be starting our news desk with uh, some underground announcements. The first of which is that, hey, voting is completed for this month's double team segment. And the winner, as of 10.09 p.m. on Friday, was Garbodor. Or Saturday, actually. Well, act- nobody else voted in that whole time oh, either. So it's Garbodor. Yay! Yep, Garbodor. It was actually really close. Yep, uh, Pidgeot had seven votes, Garbodor had eight, and Lantern had three. I really thought the Pidgeot was going to take it. Like, that first day of voting, there were so many people that were like, yeah, Pidgeot! Yeah, I don't know, there was a lot of support, like, a lot of people just being like, Garbodor, Garbodor, just all over the place, too. So, I was like, well, yeah. I think next time we should totally set up, a, like, a poll for that, too, on the Facebook group, so that... It's not just reading through and trying to separate out the names for it. That was a little challenging. Yeah, so oh, well. 
we we learned. And Garbodor is our next Pokemon to do a double team segment on, and we'll do that next week. We sure will. Uh, the only other underground announcement this week is, oh my god, 50 episodes. Yep. <laughs> 50th anniversary, well, not 50th anniversary, no, but totally our 50th, 50th episode. It's a little crazy. Um, and, you know, so to sort of celebrate, Sam and I have a really awesome main topic coming up with more guests than we've ever had at one time ever. Exactly. In Pokemon Overworld news, there's not a whole lot to talk about because Sam and I kind of took care of all of the news ever last week. Indeed. There is only really any news that's coming out of Japan now, and there's absolutely no word if we're going to get any of it over here in the States. But it's kind of interesting just to mention because of the fact that there are like these ex- these extraneous uh, FunFest missions that are being hosted not by downloading them for your Pokemon game, but being offered as like a broadcasted thing in Pokemon centers and specific areas in Japan. Oh, that's kind of weird. Right. Uh, Some of these missions are kind of interesting. Some of them kind of, you know, are kind of, eh. But um, one of these missions, for example, will be to fight strong trainers across the Unova region and the potential rewards for completion being Max Ether or Rare Candy. And while that doesn't sound all that exciting, for anybody who's played a FunFest mission, you've got to remember, too, that if you're playing this with a lot of people and you get a really high score, you could be getting potentially, like, 30 rare candies or 40 max ethers back from it. 40 rare candy is a lot of rare candy. That is a lot of rare candy. A lot of rare candy. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's kind of crazy. Um, there's another one that lets you search for Eevee and its evolutions in the hidden grottos across Unova, um, which is kind of cool. Do we know if they might have their hidden abilities? I don't think they have hidden abilities, no. Ah, uh, and that's, you know, okay, I guess. That's fun. Yeah, it it's the evolutions though, and I'm sure that's tying in with the new movie. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, the The other one, I guess, that I'm kind of excited about or would be excited about is one that allows players to buy fire, water, and thunderstones. You can never have enough of those. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, We've the fourth of these five that we've got here uh, will also allow players to find Poliwag, Magneton, Chansey, Togedic, Dragonair, and Shellgun with their hidden abilities in hidden grottos. Uh, some of these Pokemon are already kind of released in the Dream World, or they're, they've proliferated around the internet enough already, so it's kind of something. But. I think the the Togetics and the uh, the Togetics for sure are interesting. Um, the Magnetons is kind of a good deal too. Um, yeah. Just because you know, with Magneton, if you want to do if you want to do its hidden ability, you have to soft reset for it anyways. So the opportunity to get like a ton of them sort of increases your chances of finding something semi-usable. I suppose. Um, And then the last of the missions that they're going to be hosting is a berry hunting mission with potential finds including Hondu, Kelpsy, and Pomeg berries. Yep. So, that's that's (laughs) news. Yay news! Fantastic!
as we alluded to earlier in the podcast, we have a really awesome main topic for you guys with more guests than Sam and I have ever had on at one time before. First up, we have our very first guest from a underground episode ever, and that is Josh Massey, who is back with us. Hi, everybody. Yay, Josh. Zah. Um, those of you who remember Pokemon Professor Mitch from our TCG episodes, he is with us tonight as well. Say hi, Mitch. Hi, Mitch. Thank you. <laughs> and we also have two new guests with us tonight. Our first new guest is uh, more commonly known around this part as Lieutenant Surge. We would like to welcome Kent Johnson to the show. Hey, guys. And we have our uh, one of our favorite league leaders at our league here in Fargo with us tonight as well. Say hello, Scott Larrabee. Hey, everybody. Yay. So I still get to be the only female voice on the podcast, but <laughs> I'm used to that. I can yeah. talk in a higher pitch voice if you want. Try. <laughs> it, might, it might get really annoying really fast. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> and... Uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight with all of these awesome guests is Pokemon Leagues. Uh, we're going to run down how to set one up, what they are, how to do them successfully, how to get people coming. And it's going to be kind of similar to the show that we did live at CoreCon, but more awesome because we have way more experiences now in a lot of different locations now that Josh and Kent have both moved away from Fargo and set up their own leagues in different areas. So let's start off with what a Pokemon League is. Who wants to who wants to tackle what Pokemon Leagues are? Not it. <laughs> Those goes. <laughs> Josh, I think you've been running Pokemon right, Leagues longer than anyone else. So tell tell us what a Pokemon League is. A Pokemon League is, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a place for people who love Pokemon to get to the, together and talk about Pokemon, play Pokemon. Even if you don't have a game, just go. Just be around fellow nerds. That's what Pokemon League is for me. True story. And it's a way to keep my wife from nagging at me to leave her alone with Pokemon stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I have a similar experience. (laughs) Um, And the... That's a really great way to look at, like, what a, a Pokemon League is. And setting one up is not quite as it's it's not as easy as you would think it is from the get-go no it's not i would say it's not as hard as sam and the teal make it out to be well either. no it's, it's, I it's thought not it was extremely a piece of cake. it's not extremely <laughs> difficult but it is definitely not a thing where you can just say i have a pokemon league and suddenly there it is well, right, you yeah. want to make it official. That is a true story. Yes. There, yeah. there are things that you have to do if you want to make it official especially with uh the pokemon company international and those steps are as follows. Sam, tell us about these steps or something, because I've never <laughs> done this before, actually. I'm not an owner. The owner should tell us how they set their leagues up. Well, it was rather unique for me, because I actually took over a league, and while it doesn't explicitly say that anywhere in the Pokemon.com official descriptions of anything, I was just kind of told this by the people who run the uh, uh, PR department or tech support or whatever. Uh, I took one over, I basically submitted the application, and it was specifically to take over the 
then Pokemasters of Fargo League. And you do have to fill out an application. Uh, the first part of it uh, is done over the internet, and then you're directed to a printed-off uh, form that basically uh, says, I agree to have background checks done on me. And they're, they do things like credit checks, they do uh, past residences, they want to track how where you've lived for like the last five or six years it's a very thorough process that they go through and it takes that whole process you have to mail it to them so you can't just submit the information over the internet so it takes a good while for you to hear back from them i think it took me two or three weeks but when when it's done i mean they basically just hand you the keys and say all right here you go we've set up your league on pokemon.com you just log into your account and you go to my play pokemon and there is your league right there i think the part that's the most um divergent from that whole process is what comes after that and that's you know finding a place to host this new league that you've gotten created I mean, the actual creation of the League is something fairly standard. You go to Pokemon.com, you fill out the apps, you get the background check, bam. But finding a place to get enough people together to make a Pokemon League prosper can be a little bit more on the iffy side. Um, so, like, how, how did you guys all find your current venues, as it were? Well, I'll go with my original venue. Um, I actually I started going to a league that Mitch and one of our mutual friends, Peter, ran. Met Scotty there. And yeah. through that, we decided that, you know, we wanted more of a video game league. They were very TCG-oriented over there. So we looked around to a few different places. There were a couple of comic shops in town. Comic shops that have space love any kind of gamers to come in because it brings in business. So I called a couple places up. We started with Paradox, which we left, but now has another league there. And just we started booming from there. So it's just, I mean, finding a place that's happy to have you will bring in league members because if the business wants you there, they're going to get their people to come to your league if they can. Kent, how did you find your venue? Because you have a, a league now down in Florida, right? Right, yeah. And uh, I've actually... This is my second venue. Uh, I started out at the library that was just a couple, a couple of blocks over from my house. But it's in kind of like... It, it, it's, it's weird because there's houses everywhere, but... It's, like, away from downtown and everything, so, like, it's it's probably about as close to living in the country as you could be in Florida, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot of traffic. Like, the whole time that I was there, uh, you know, I'd go in on Thursday nights, because that was kind of a, a night that worked well for me, and just basically sit there for about an hour um but i got i i literally had nobody coming so um what happened was i had gone into 
uh, comic book store that is pretty far away, but there had been a previous league held there that I had been attending before I started my own. And I found out that the league leader there had just completely shut hers down. And so there was really nothing there. So I asked the guys that work there if they'd be interested in hosting another league, and they went for it, and here I am. And it, it was it was um, it was pretty slow uh, again right away, uh, and we'll probably get into this uh, talking about this later. But I just I didn't have a good way of getting the word out to people. But uh, eventually they found me, so it, it has grown quite a bit. I think Sam and I are really lucky at our location uh, because we're in the mall. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, it's super easy to get people to come to the mall because, I mean, it's, it's the mall. I mean, we get parents that will come and, you know, they'll spend the three hours that their kids are down with us doing shopping and stuff upstairs. And the location is really, really easy to find for everybody else. All you have to do is say the mall, and pretty much everybody between here and what you're talking about. Yeah. So, so that's... Yeah, we we were really lucky to find that location, actually. Well, I shouldn't say we found it, but uh, lucky enough that Josh looked into moving us there. But uh, when we were at Paradox, it was a great location... Uh, what ended up happening is they, they were trying to hold too many events there at one time, and we were just getting kind of pushed out. So we ended up getting a little bit just too big for that location, uh, and, you know, Josh uh, made a bunch of calls, and we ended up moving to the mall. And it was, yeah, like you guys said, just real beneficial, just uh, for getting kids with their parents in there, and then just a much easier location to find anyways. Yeah, so... Once you've got your uh, application set in with Pokemon Company International, you've got your background checks completed, they've given you a league, you've got it all set up on the Pokemon.com website, and you found yourself a location, the next step really is to get the word out and get people coming, which can honestly be the hardest part about running a Pokemon League, is getting people there. True story. Um. So I think now would be a really great time to sort of talk about how we actually get people coming to leagues. GameStop. <laughs> That's I, a good starting seriously, point. Seriously, it, it works incredible. I, I made up flyers when we were in Fargo. As soon as I moved here to Corpus Christi, I made up more flyers with new information for our new league venue. Since then, we have a graphics arts guy that comes to League. He has created new flyers, so they're all fancy, and they have Chespin and Fennekin and Froakie on them, and they're really cool. And we always have GameStop stocks. He has three GameStops. I have three GameStops in town, and we go to the GameStops once a week, once every other week, just to make sure that they still have flyers. And we started doing this about a month ago with the new flyers, and in that last month, I think we've had... 18 new members. Your it guys has is, been incredible. Do your guys' GameStops actually let you leave the flyers with them? Yeah, yeah, they love them. 
that's unusual. The, the our GameStop, the one that I work at up at the mall, is a real stickler about not doing things like that. That's an, yeah. That's I've, that's the norm, I think. Actually, most most you know retail places like that, that are big chains, don't for some reason like having these extra posters and you know uh, endorsements for other things in their store. Yeah. So um, obviously it's working out for for Josh down in Texas with his GameStop. So it's a, it's definitely a good place to start um, if you're lucky enough to have smaller, not chain oriented video game stores like. Uh, we have Rock 30 up here in Fargo that has a bulletin board that Sam and I have put uh, posters at before. That's another really good place to go as well. Um, but posters are fantastic, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> uh, when Sam and I were doing sort of like a recruiting drive for our league, um, I made up some posters and Sam went everywhere with them. I did. I literally spent an hour and a half driving all over Fargo-Moorhead, putting up these posters. Just I went to every game store that was more independently owned. I went to every library. I went to a couple of different just public areas around downtown Fargo that would let me put it up. I mean, I I went everywhere putting up those posters for it, and a few of those places still have them up, so. Yeah, so uh, posters are a really fantastic way to go about things. Um, if you have, like Sam said, if you have libraries or local businesses that'll let you put them up, also do college campuses. I also went to all three of the college campuses. Plaster your college too. campuses with posters. Because college kids play Pokemon. They do. <laughs> um, what other ways can people get other people come into leagues? Uh, one way that I've done it, I, like I, you know, when I'm walking around, I normally carry a bag. I have some form of uh, Pokemon merchandise or something on me. People see that, say, "Hey, I play Pokemon," and you just strike up a conversation saying, "Hey, we have a league for this." That's been a way that I've caught a lot of people, too. There was a guy who I was, well, I just talked about it last week on the podcast. There was a guy who I I was donating plasma one day, and one of the technicians walked over and saw that I was wearing an Evolution shirt. And he asked me about Pokemon, and I told him that people at League were talking about X and Y, and... It kind of just happened to, that he didn't know that we had a league around here. So, I do the same thing at work. Um, I wear a Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver pin on my lanyard. And so I get people talking about Pokemon at work and I tell them about the league. So, so one thing, though, when it comes to getting people to come to league um, that I've always been really curious about because... While I know it existed a while back, I never figured out how it got like how it really got started, and that was the league that was out at the West Fargo Library. And Mitch would be the one who would be able to tell us how he <laughs> got people like Mac to come to his league, or whether he did anything at all. To maybe they just kind of showed up one day for finding out. Uh, yeah, Matt kind of just showed up. 
excuse me, him and John, you know, they live out in Castleton, which is not exactly close to the FM area. No, it's like a half-hour drive. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a length, you know. They found us on the Pokemon website, because uh, you can search for leagues on there, all that fun stuff, and we were at the library, so, you know, they had, like, a bulletin board with events, and especially ones that were there, you know, they heavily advertised. That's... Otherwise, we didn't we didn't do a whole lot, you know. We tried to encourage people to come when we found them, but this was, oh boy, six to eight years ago now. Okay. Quite a while ago, and it was, you know, the DS like it was just starting to get support, and that's a that's a big big install base for them. So we mostly relied on the card game for a long time, mm-hmm. and that's a much harder sell, especially with kids. Whose yeah. parents throw away their energy cards and then want a deck built. <laughs> you go, no, it's not how you do it. Yep. No, and that that's that's kind of how it, it worked with me, too, down here in Florida, is that uh, people just kind of started showing up. I mean, uh, the first person I actually had come to a league session was somebody that used to come to the old league at that venue. And uh, just from there, it was people, you know, finding me through the the Pokemon website, sending me emails. Uh, I actually have my phone number listed on there so they could call me, too, or or text me or whatever. But uh, that's, for me, that's been kind of the biggest way that, that people find out about my league is just through the Pokemon website and, you know, my contact information on there. Definitely. So um, that's a lot of really good ways to get people coming. Uh, the the then what you, the next the obvious next step from that is once you've got people coming to league, what do you do? I mean, you know, there's the obvious of well, obviously these people are going to come, and if you've got TCG players, they're going to have TCG fights, and if they've got DSs, they're going to have DS fights. But there's got to be some sort of organized method to all of this. Pokemon chaos, as it were. There's definitely a method, but not necessarily talking about that method. Something that I want to mention for anybody who's thinking about running a league, and we were this way in Fargo. I had a couple guys when I moved down here to Corpus that didn't like it, and they came up with a name for it. It's Disney Channel, is what they call league. Make it family-friendly. Have a league that anybody can go to and they're not going to hear the language that they would hear amongst a group of older teens and adults that they would hear anywhere else. So make sure that um, when you do get people coming, you are acting in such a way that when a parent shows up, they're not going to give you a dirty look and never want their kid to come back. Or they're not hearing that from other league members. Make sure that everybody knows that you have high standards for league. And that will get parents' respect, which will keep their kids coming, which will have them tell their friends to come, and you'll continue to grow. I've had some issues with some of the league-goers when it comes to that sort of thing, too. It's been kind of one of those things where especially one of the guys, uh, he was was one of the older guys, uh, probably... uh, probably mid-40s or something, and he had 
said a couple of times to me before that he didn't much care for the uh, atmosphere that was down there when it came to all the children that were there. And it was, understandably, it was different from, say, the League Over at Paradox, where it is pretty much 100% guys in their early 20s to their you know, late 20s that part, that attend and participate. But at the same time, you know, we need to be able to grow and be all-inclusive when it comes to that, too. And while I understood his point, I'm sure he didn't much care for, you know, all the noise that was going on down there. He didn't like the, I guess, the, the exact phrase he used was the daycare setting that we had down there. But at the same time, that's how we're going to keep getting people in and keep them participating is to continue to offer this to people of every age group. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and there's actually, or there was uh, a third league down here that I had gone to that was in uh, another venue that hosted a few different events, uh, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, and that that kind of that that kind of attracted more of an an older age group, I guess. And like, I would just I'd, I'd hear foul language from us- usually it was the Yu-Gi-Oh players and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh players. <laughs> I, it just I mean. It's not something that I really care to hear, especially if I'm going to be, you know, dealing with with kids, you know, and, you know, like, now I have, um, actually, one of the parents uh, brings his uh, daughter, who plays, and then his son, who's still a little bit too young to be playing, but, you know... it's it's the kind of situation where you don't want bad words flying around. So, it, yeah, it's it's something that I try and keep a, a pretty close eye on. And, you know, being in the military kind of helps because it, it sort of pumps up my authority, I guess, with, with, <laughs> with my uh, league members. But, it, yeah, it, it's it's still a challenge. I think one thing, too, and I learned this especially from seeing the comparison side-by-side between the uh, Paradox League and the various other groups that are also at Paradox, which would include Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! players, the older crowd, and the league that Josh ran in Fargo and that I continue to run now, and that's, if you hear the sort of harsh language all the time, it really does tend to grate on you. It does bring down the atmosphere around you while you're there, and it's it's not classy at all. And, you know, it's, you know, while some people would just be like, oh, well, you know, it's just catering to kids. Well, maybe, but at the same time, it also provides that much more of a fun and more lighthearted atmosphere, too. Well, and I think one of the more important things to remember is that Pokemon, the, the Pokemon Company International does have sort of a governing document in the spirit of the game 
that oh, they right. pub, that they publish online. So uh, it's that that's something else I think that as league leaders and uh, league owners we have to take into consideration that we need to be making sure that our members are abiding by the spirit of the game. Especially if you're a sanctioned Pokemon League. I mean, you do have to try to keep what the Pokemon Company or National States is their, you know, guiding principles in effect. And I think there's really two ways that our League has kind of gone about um, handling those issues. And for a while, it was uh, taking away prizes for people that were swearing. And that worked out really well when, you know, the prizes were decent. <laughs> When, when we had when we had actual cards to give Existent. out, as a, yeah, as opposed to the uh, TCG online things that most of our league just doesn't care about, um, and now the most the thing that they care the most about is the badge. But now instead of you know doing prize withdrawals, um, there's been sort of this movement to utilize uh, Pokemon names instead of actual swear words. Which is which poke is, euphemisms? Yes, which is which is just silly enough that it works out very very well. Um, it keeps anybody from you know devolving into vulgar language or anything like that. And instead of you know decreasing the fun atmosphere, it's silly enough that it kind of just makes everyone laugh and things continue on without incident. Mm-hmm. Well, replacement swears in general are just fun. You guys know how much I like my puns and stuff, and I just, oh, it, I, mean, it, I do it for me more than anyone else, so maybe it's selfish, but it's still a good thing, so it's okay. It's, it's just, it's fun, and it, it it gets you creative and more Pokemon involved, and everybody wins. True story. So, uh, when it comes to... Now that we've kind of had our little offbeat little track there. um, Pokemon League. When it comes to running things at League, I know we talked about this at the CoreCon episode, but I'd really like to know what some of you other guys have been doing uh, with your leagues when it comes to other other activities beyond battling and trading. And, you know, when it comes to us up here, I mean... Our listeners probably know all about this because <laughs> we've been talking about it for quite a while. We have our Elite Four tournament that we run every month that gives our participants in the video game that much more of an experience in battling people who are very serious competitors. And it provides, you know, this cool little alternate tournament for prestige. Uh, we've got the FunFest mission nights now where we all get together and just play FunFest missions, and that's a whole lot of fun. And then there's also, uh, we also started up an underground night where we dig out the older copies of the games from Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, and then just go to town in the underground, laying traps, digging up stuff, you know, and just having a blast that way. But uh, I was wondering, especially from Josh's league, who probably has even more members now than we do, uh, how do you keep everybody coming back and keeping things interesting every week? Well, I do a lot of the same things you guys do. I mean, you were the one that wrote up the Elite Four rules, so I'm totally giving you credit (laughs) for that, Sam, because you're awesome. 
Thank you. But we've been doing the Elite Four here. It's died down a little bit because of all of the tournaments we're doing now. But we still have the Elite Four in place. We just don't do it every season like you guys do. We also have Fun Fest days, but they've been dubbed at our league Sharding. Oh. Instead, because <laughs> all everybody wants to do is hunt for shards. So then wow. when anybody walks in the room, all of the kids are screaming, Hey, we're sharding! And it sounds really dang funny when they say it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we do the fun fest. Um, really, a lot of people just want to come and battle. So I don't really mess with League more than once, maybe twice a season. Because a lot of our guys have gotten very, very competitive. Even some of our younger guys. We have a 12-year-old kid who beats all of the 20-some-year-olds in tournaments. Like, they love to battle. Um, but another thing we started doing, I know you guys can't do it at your venue, we've started doing paid tournaments. So mm -hmm. everybody pays $4 to enter. And we have two tournaments every season. We have a standard VGC tournament, which I do about the middle of the season. For that, um, our league uh, venue... Oh, Josh dropped. Uh oh. That's okay. We will we will wait for him to come back and let him continue his story. Edit. How was the overall quality of this call? Very bad. <laughs> well, I think this is probably about the what third or fourth time Josh has dropped. We yeah, I, we like always that. have problems with Josh and Skype when we do these. Hmm. Oh, he just got completely dropped off. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Unfortunate. Add people to this call. Josh, add to this call. Come back, Josh. Josh, come back. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with you guys is all the tournaments that you guys have set up. Like, since uh, Josh and I have kind of, you know, taken Oof. leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, all, all all the specialty tournaments, I should say. Like, the... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, dude. Th th those those have been kind of cool just to hear about. <laughs> well, let's talk about that while we try to get Josh back on the call. <laughs> Sounds he not, good. He? Oh, no, there you go. Sure. <laughs> okay, um... Well, I'll just start, I guess. Uh, one thing that I've really liked uh, since Josh and I have, you know, taken leave from uh, running the league is the tournaments that both uh, Sam and Natil, both of you have set up uh, since then. Just the, the specialty tournaments. You'll have to go tell me exactly which ones you had so far. But uh, um, just, the, you know, changing uh, the battling up a little bit to make things a little more interesting has been... Uh, a good way of getting people more involved and uh, just interested in the tournaments and, you know, battling in general. So what, 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 I forget, what tournaments have you guys had? I know you guys have had at least two or three. Oh, gosh, well, we've done, like, um, yes. we, did, um, we did the bug one. We had two tournaments for the, oh, what's, what city was that? Castelia, the Castelia season. We had one where we had a mono bug tournament where you could only use Pokemon that were bug types, and you had three Pokemon, and it was a single battle, so you it 
went through pretty quick, but still everybody pulled out a wide variety of bug Pokemon and everybody seemed to really enjoy it because it was something new. It was something different. And with such a small team size, you could theoretically make a whole team of those bug Pokemon and not have to worry about spending so much time getting it ready. We also had a mono, uh, a mono grass tournament for the TCG for that season where you could only use cards that were of the grass and, I guess, technically to the normal type. And a lot of people really liked that one as well. And we made it so... I think for that first one, you could still use EX Pokemon for those decks. I remembered seeing yep. a couple of the Celebi EX floating around in there. But for the most part, it was very well... It was very balanced. You know, nobody was really on, you know, the kind of footing where it was just like, well, I've got my, you know... I don't know, Beautifly out here, and then all of a sudden Mewtwo EX. And so it wasn't terrible, and everybody seemed to have a good time with it. And the only other specialty tournament that we've run, and it was because the mono-electric tournament that we were planning on having kind of fizzled out, it was a mono-lightning TCG tournament. Or, well, I guess, lightning and colorless again, where you just stuck those teams together, you were you did not use any EX Pokemon this time around, and a lot of people really enjoyed that one too. Yeah, I, I remember partaking in the, the bug tournament. That was a lot of fun, you know, seeing all the different teams people brought together and and stuff like that. So things things like that is a a great idea to just keep people coming back and engaged in Pokemon League. Um, and something else that we've started doing with the TCG side of it is every once in a while we'll have Pokemon Rumble Nights. Because um, the Pokemon Rumble TCG is a really great way to get people that may, might not even participate in the TCG competitively involved in doing something not video game related for a week. And I think those have gone fairly well at League. Last couple so- of times we've run the... Uh, Rumble night. We haven't had a whole lot of participation, but I that might also be from my own end too. I've been really busy with just running league and making sure everybody's, you know, getting their cards marked off and anything like that. I've not really had a whole lot of time to participate in anything major. Well, the thing about those is too is like I've heard a couple people that are like Oh, I heard this is like a whatever night, so they won't bring their games or their cards for something. It's like, well, that's just kind of, you know, like, hey, you could plan on doing this, but you don't have to. And some people don't get that, I think. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why, but, you know. (laughs) It is what it is. It is. It's just perception people have sometimes. Yeah, I guess I remember that happening to one of our, uh, one of the people who participated. She, uh, she had brought her copy of, uh, Pokemon Conquest, and she was playing that during, uh, the Funfest mission night. And I was just like, well, I had said something about maybe doing some Conquest stuff, but that was mostly just to judge what people's, uh, interest would be in setting up a like a battle system or something like that with it 
and she apparently had thought that we were just all going to be just playing Conquest all night. And I was like, well, no, that's not necessarily how things were going. Yep. But, you know, doing things like uh, Conquest Nights or... uh, Pokemon Rumble Nights or whatever else that you want to do, you you really do need to, on occasion, mix things up for League because you don't want it to become stagnant and have, you know, the same eight people having the same battles every week with the same six Pokemon. Yeah, and that's something that I definitely need to start looking into, especially now that my League is starting to grow because I got some of the the older members from the one of the previous leagues and like their big thing was just tournaments like every week it was a tournament and so like the last couple of weeks that they've been showing up uh it's we've been having a tournament but i i want to start doing different things especially since they're really heavy into the tcg but i think most, if not all of them, also have DSs and copies of the game. So I think maybe, I mean, I'll, I'll, we have League tomorrow, so I'll mention that, you know, maybe next week, don't, don't bring your, or, well, bring your cards, but, um, you know, bring your DS and have a team ready to go. Something mm-hmm. like that. Just to mix it Variety up. Variety is the spice to life. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> So, I guess that's what we do at Pokemon League. Um, and I think then the last thing that we'll really want to talk about is, you know, running a successful league. I mean, you know, any anybody can put together a Pokemon League, and if you can pass the background check, you can have a sanctioned league. But running a league that is a good and successful league and gets your players actively engaged and involved in Pokemon for more than just the three hours of league that they're there for is really what the goal of running a Pokemon league is. I mean, you want these people that are coming to be engaged in this game that we are all madly obsessed with. (laughs) So I think we could talk about some of the... Uh, experiences that we've had at League and what we think makes our League's successful Leagues. Well, I I think that part of the reason our Fargo League was so successful was all of you guys. I made lifelong friends at this League. And being that open to a bunch of people you may have never met before in your life will help to build relationships, whether it's lifelong friends or, you know, if I ever go back to Fargo and see a couple of kids from League walking down the hall, you know, talk to them for a few minutes. So you need to be open, which allows those opportunities to take place. I can definitely get behind that. Um, I really agree about this whole, you know, the making lifelong friends thing. I think that if in your league, if you have two people that would not have otherwise met, meet, and become 
even remotely close friends, you've done a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I was a little, I, I, I won't lie, I was a little nervous the first time that I ever came to League, because it was something new and different, but I was really glad that I did, because I met all of you guys, I met uh, Mac and John and just a, a ton of other people that, you know, I, if if under different circumstances, I probably would have never even said hello to. But it, it was it was just the the opportunity, you know, being together in one place and having a common uh, interest that I think makes a Pokemon League successful. And that's what I'm really trying to. Uh, establish here in Florida is just a place where people can come together and talk about their love of Pokemon. And it's nice to foster those kinds of relationships too, because like Josh said, you not only develop lasting friendships, but you know, and I've especially noticed this when it comes to my league in particular, you also connect with people and find other sources of common interest. And this is something that Mitch kind of kind of brought up to me one time, and I thought it was a really rather profound thing to uh, understand, really, is that, you know, a lot of the people who come to my league, they also get together and play, like, the Vanguard card game. There's a lot of people who go that also talk to the Yu-Gi-Oh! people. You know, just recently, the Animal Crossing game came out, and all of the league all of the league goers that had a copy and a 3DS all shared their friend information, so all of that was going on, and so it's a nice way for people to just build relationships, whether it's related to Pokemon or not. And the cool thing is that it always starts in Pokemon. I mean, there are people who come to Pokemon League that I would have never met without Pokemon League. I mean... There's people like, um, we have Afton and Joey who come to League, and it's quite possible that I could have met those two in some sort of tri-college event, because uh, the campuses in Fargo-Moorhead are pretty interconnected as far Mm -hmm. as those sorts of things are concerned. But people like uh, Mitch and Kent and Josh and Scotty are people that I would have never met without Pokemon League, and... I would be a much sadder person without those kinds of relationships in my life. Yeah, it'd be icky. <laughs> I think that's the going theme here is just all the friends that you make through League, you know, just uh, being able to go there, sit down, talk about, you know, one thing, and then have that break out into other subjects, and you just build these uh, bonds and friendships, which you then can take away from League, uh, and, you know, they last for possibly forever, you know, who knows. But, uh, yeah, I think that's just the the best thing about, you know, running a league is getting together with people and just having fun. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, or, uh, Josh just dropped again. Oh, man. <laughs> Amazing. It's kind of ironic, actually, because I was just going to talk about Josh here in, like, literally just <laughs> now. Um, Are okay. we gonna ha- go back and have him talk about? Uh, I forget what he was talking about before. Nah, but we've we've long passed that point. He was babbling about something. 
Yeah. <laughs> that point where you're just gonna cont- oh no and he's like fully dropped again Josh, no, video edit. I don't think yeah. I'm editing this more like I think scrape I'm just, tonight I think I'm just yeah. putting this whole thing out and pretending that it's gonna be fine yeah <laughs> that could work yeah uh, I totally remember the first time I ever even heard about League and it was actually Josh who got me into it and it was subsequently me who brought in Natil and Richard and a, bun- a lot of my other friends who I knew who also played Pokemon. And it was that he and, oh, I keep forgetting who else, Jake. He and Jake were both going into uh, Toys R Us to pick up the Ashes Pikachu event that was going on at the time. And I had just, I had heard about it over Serebii. I walked in there to go and pick it up and I was just standing there in the middle of the hallway with my DS out and Josh and Jake just come walking up and they're just like "Are do you play Pokemon? I was like yes. I didn't know what was going on. I just thought these were two guys who had just walked up to me and were just talking to me and I didn't much care for the whole I didn't much care for people to just walk up and talk to me like that and you know, then they were just like, so do you, like, EV train and breed and everything like that? And I said, well, sure. And then they invited me to the league that was then at Paradox. And it was a really awesome time, and I got my ID number, and, you know, it just kind of led into the whole explosion of suddenly knowing that there was even a thing such as a Pokemon League. I remember when you first brought me to Pokemon League, you took me with you to um, a tournament, a Saturday tournament. Yes. And I was terrified my first week at League. <laughs> like, when I started going to Pokemon League, I was really, really shy and not very good at getting out and meeting people. And Sam was like, you love Pokemon, you're going to love this, I promise. And I remember when I first went down, the first person that talked to me was Josh and he got me all set up and everything like that. And he wanted me to participate in the tournament. And I was like, well, I don't have like EV trained Pokemon or anything like that. This, this whole idea of competitive Pokemon playing is so unbelievably new to me. And I have come such a long way since then. And it's definitely something that I would have never done without this league and without this group of people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before league, I actually had never EV trained a single Pokemon. I had probably the worst move sets ever. I, I think I still have my pearl around somewhere. I had a, a Empoleon that had like surf hydro pump, Hydro Cannon, and I think Drill Peck, and just, like, from from my time at League and, you know, doing a little bit of research into what actually constitutes a somewhat decent moveset, I just, oh, oh, I think about some of the poor choices that I've made over the years. (laughs) Everybody's had that sort of situation where they're just like, all right, I'm going to breed up the awesome let's say, for example, Charizard, and it's going to have Fire Spin, it's going to have Fire Blast, Flamethrower, and, like, whatever the super ridiculous... Blast Burn. And it's going to be just the most awesome Pokemon ever. And then you get into the metagame, and it's just like, well, 
suddenly. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Awkward pause. Yeah. I got nothing else. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I keep dropping off. That's all right. We keep finding you back. We still like you. (laughs) You're in enough bad, and you should feel bad. I love you guys. Okay. I think maybe to to close uh, this whole discussion, which has gone on for quite a while now, um, I want everybody to share their favorite Pokemon League experience with us. Somebody else start this time. I keep trying and it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take first hit. My, my favorite moment in League probably so far, and this is going to sound weird, but it's probably the first moment in League I ever had, really, uh, where Josh and I met. You know, I met Mitch and Pete and those guys. But uh, Josh and I, you know, we had never talked before, and uh, Josh was doing through the rounds, fighting everybody at League on, on the DS, and he came to me. And uh, apparently uh, I was a little bit better than some of the other ones, but I was the only guy to... Okay, yeah. But uh, I was the only guy to beat him that night. So I beat him in our very first battle ever, and that just, you know, started a lot of stuff afterwards, obviously. So that's got to be my favorite thing, and I'll I'll always have that. You know, Josh is obviously... Probably ten times better than me battling, anyways. But uh, I've always got the first the uh, first win. So, <laughs> and I tip my hat to you, Scotty. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, for me, I I'm gonna go actually with two moments because kind of I'm I'm in the same boat as Scott. My first moment with the uh, league is probably my favorite um just coming up you guys you guys uh were actually up in the food court that night and i just kind of came over to you guys and was like scoping you out and then all of a sudden josh kind of noticed me and was like hey are you here for pokemon and i was like uh yeah and he just he had this this huge grin on his face and just was the most awesome dude ever. Um, the second moment for me would be probably I think I'd been coming to league for maybe about two or three months at that point, and it was E4 night and. I had uh, a team that I had been working on quite a bit and managed to beat enough people to get to fight Sam, who was the champion, (laughs) and I actually managed to pull off a win. I remember that night. Beating Sam is no small feat. (laughs) it, it It was a good night, and I think that is probably one of the the greatest experiences that I've ever had in Pokemon. <laughs> All right, well, I've got a couple. I mean, there are way too many in Fargo. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't even name all of them because Fargo League is... I'm sorry for those Corpus Christi listeners, but Fargo League is the league. <laughs> but 
one of my favorites did take place in Fargo, and that was my 50, I don't know how many turns fight against Nateel. <laughs> all the Stallfest to end all Stallfest. Oh, my hour-long fight. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was just <laughs> terrible. It was very entertaining, to say the least, though, during the entire fight, because Nateel and I had become very good friends at that time, and the back and forth was incredible. <laughs> But then, I, it, it, wasn't there a lot of trash talking going on too? Quite a bit. Oh yeah, there's the back and forth right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. it was it was awesome. But another one happened just this week, um, and I tried to get into this earlier, but my phone's being all messed up. Um, I had a parent approach me last week and tell me that their kid turned down a birthday party. His birthday was today. And he turned down a birthday party because he wanted to go to Pokemon League. Wow. His, he did not want his parents to throw him a birthday party. Wow. So his dad wow. asked me if they could bring cupcakes and cake and if we would sing happy birthday to him. So today they showed up. Mom approached me, reminded me that there were treats. So I got everybody at League together. There were 39 of us today. So I got everybody together. We all sang happy birthday to Nikolai. Our newest member, actually, he's he's only been here for two weeks, and he turned ten today, and his face was just bright and joyous while we were singing happy birthday to him. And then everybody got fat on cupcakes. It was it was <laughs> awesome. I loved it. That's pretty you'll, awesome. You'll have to pass on my happy birthday wishes because we actually share a birthday. You do share <laughs> it, and happy birthday again, Kent. Kent, your birthday was yesterday Thanks. too. No, nope, it's today. today. Oh, it's today. today. Okay, my husband's yep. birthday was yesterday. I have so many June birthdays shoved into one little <laughs> section. Carly's birthday's the 18th, and... That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Happy <Yep>. birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. I think uh. most, if not all of you guys, have already wished me a happy birthday, either by calling or texting or through Facebook, so... <laughs> We live in wonderful times. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. So, Mitch, you haven't shared yours yet. Uh, no, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I've been going for Ever? longer than I've known all of you, unfortunately. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, boy, I remember, you know, meeting, meeting Josh for the first time. You know, this guy walks in, he's got a beard and all that, and it's... <laughs> decked out in superman stuff and i'm like well i already know i like this guy you know and <laughs> and scott showed up and they were all cool and and then no oh boy we switched to the mall we kind of combined leagues because we had two leagues going for a while before too and then you know they ended up being one at the library and at the mall at the same time and josh was like well hey peter do you want to just ultra league and we're like yep and that's kind of how that all started, but um, <clears throat> boy, I guess if I had to pick one, I would probably say it was way back before, right before we started doing uh, tournament legal TCG stuff, our very last Saturday unlimited tournament. It wasn't our biggest turnout, um, but it was it was really fun because the unlimited decks are just so much fun because they had so much more personality and so it was a lot more fun you know you'd be playing with everyone and 
had all kinds of crazy decks, and then we went to modified, you know, and that was fun, but it was like, oh, it was a bummer. <laughs> and that that was that was really that that was great, you know, and that was probably the first and maybe only the one of three times that the TCG had a better turnout than the video game, which doesn't happen around here very often. Oh no. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, that was probably it, I'd say. I think one of my um, favorite League memories was from pretty early on in my experiences with Pokemon League. When I started going to Pokemon League, I was really terrible at battling. I really was. And it took me a while to start getting my head wrapped around the competitive metagame and how to EV train and IV breed a Pokemon appropriately. Probably a little longer than it takes a lot of people to get going on all of that. Um, and for the first, like, two months that I was going, I was losing all the time. Just every single week I would go and I would lose and I would get upset. And there were a few nights where Sam really just had to talk me down because I was like, I don't want to go anymore. I suck at this. And he was just like, no, no, you just gotta, you gotta just keep working at it. Someday it's gonna click, I promise. And I remember the first night that it finally clicked. And it was right after I bred Tesla (laughs) 1.0. And. Tesla was the first Pokemon that I ever bred that worked at all, and it was it was my Manectric, my very first Manectric. I have a better one now, but the first one that I bred, just people didn't know how to deal with it. It had amazing type coverage, and because I would scarf it, it was faster than anybody thought that it would be. And since it was a Pokemon that nobody ever fought with, it was something that caught people off guard enough that I was able to actually eke out my first win and it was like the sweetest victory I had ever tasted and I don't know that I have ever known victory quite that sweet since then except for maybe that night that I beat you Josh that one night yeah you shut your mouth that never (laughs) happened (laughs) it's still my battle video it happened I don't remember it I don't know you borrowed the cartridge to somebody (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think I lent that to Scotty, actually. Whatever. <laughs> but I think that's probably my, my favorite league moment, was my, my very first league win. That's a good one. Sam, you get to finish us off. Oh, man. No pressure um, or anything. <laughs> Your PP is halved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, probably my favorite moment in Pokemon League was probably the first time that I had ever fought and successfully beat, uh, Josh under technically, I guess, under my own ability and for the longest time he was like the the ceiling at league that i had always gotten up to but i had never before managed to overcome i had gotten to the point where i was fighting fighting scott on fairly even terms 
some of the other uh, Pokemon players there, like Mac and John, I was starting to uh, be on the same level with or exceed, but Josh was always that upper tier that I could never quite get to. And then one night, I challenged him to a battle, and it was one of his teams versus a versus my dragon team, I think it was. And I managed to play really smartly. I had everything going for me. I managed to get lucky on some of the hacks, but all in all, it was a really satisfying fight, and it was probably the time where I really felt like I was starting to mature and get better as a Pokemon player. So, what's the deal here with you guys all talking trash about me? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. My favorite part of League is when I had a birthday party for a kid. Oh, I liked beating Josh. (laughs) What that really means, Josh, is that you, as a League owner and as a Pokemon trainer, were so inspiring to most of us that our favorite League moments were the moments where we realized that we were strong enough trainers to compete with someone that we really looked up to in that respect. Yeah, well, I blame the kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> and the it's okay. It's okay, Josh. I, I still don't. I just. I still don't think I've ever beaten you. Well, if you want to make up a story and tell everybody about it, you should. Everybody else is making up stories about beating me. <laughs> yeah. My, oh, yeah. My I beat Josh was... once. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite moment wasn't about beating you. Come on now. I didn't even beat you at league. That was at Scotty's house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are lucky I like you. Yes, we are. <laughs> what kind of Pokemon are you? How do you do the things you do? Share with me your secrets deep inside. What kind of Pokemon are you? Are you loyal through and through? And do you have a heart that's true? What kind of Pokemon are you? Yeah. This week's Pokemon Spotlight yeah. covers number 402, Cricketune. Uh-huh. Cricketune is a straight bug type, and he is a red cricket-like Pokemon that resembles a conductor and a stringed instrument. He's like this weird hybrid between like a cello and a conductor. <laughs> yeah, it's based off of some kind of like violin beetle or yep. something something like that. And, yeah. oh, and he totally has a mustache. He totally has a mustache. <laughs> he is a very strange-looking Pokemon. I love that the difference between the male and female forms of Krikatoon is that the female forms have smaller mustaches. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know, right? Well, I've learned something new every day, apparently. Uh, Krikatoon actually make music with their scythe-like forearms as well, and the neat thing about Krikatoon is that not only is it established in the Pokemon universe lore that they make this music, but they also communicate their emotions through that music. That's pretty cool. See? Krikatoon has had a couple of major appearances in the anime, mostly used by a trainer named Nando in contests with Don from the Diamond Pearl Platinum era of the anime. Yep. It's also been featured on four TCG cards. Four. 
Yeah, one of which is still currently tournament legal, actually. Oh. Um, it's from the next Destiny's set, and it has two attacks. The first is called White Noise, and it does 20 damage, plus puts your foe to sleep, which is always a good deal. Oh, yeah. And then it has an attack called Draining Cut that does 40 times the number of heads on two coin flips and then heals that much damage from Cricketune. In theory, that's not bad. No, I mean, if you're running, you know, if I mean, if you're going to be playing in some sort of a game that will disallow EX Pokemon, Cricketune could probably do some pretty nasty stuff. True story. But don't don't throw them out against EX Pokemon. Just don't do it. No. You, if you throw them out against EX Pokemon, you're going to have a bad time. Yup. Um. Uh, speaking of bad times, though. <laughs> right? Let's uh, talk about using Cricketune in the video game, because, um... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to uh, lay down for you guys what we're looking at here, so that you understand what Sam and I have discovered about Cricketune. And that is to say, its base stat spread is 77. 85, 51, 55, 51, 65. What we're basically <laughs> saying here now is that your only hope for using this Pokemon is to pray that the opponent brought a Magikarp to a Krikatoon fight. <laughs> right? It is so awful. I mean, if you really, really feel like you want to use Krikatoon in any sort of competitive sense, I mean... You could go with a swords dance baton passing team, but he's going to need dual screens and tailwind working for him to be effective at all. Unless you're playing NU where there's not going to be a whole lot of damage getting thrown around everywhere. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to I can totally see him, like, well, I guess I can't see him really fighting in Altaria because Altaria could just use Flamethrower, but... Well, yeah, and um, in, in an NU fight, maybe he can deal, but his speed is still low enough that even in NU, he's going to get outsped by a lot of Pokemon, and his defenses are only sitting at 51 each. Yep. So, I mean, it's... It's support. Yeah, it's it's a rough choice. He needs a lot of support. I mean, he's got some interesting options in the form of um, the fact that he gets the ability technician, so he can utilize things like Bug Bite to a greater extent... And, you know, other of the the smaller attack moves that he might have. He also has things like X-Scissor and Night Slash. But other than that, he's got a fairly limited group of moves to choose from. Well, here's hoping for 6th gen. <laughs> maybe. Maybe 6th gen will redeem Krikatoon. Maybe we'll get, like, a third evolutionary form of Krikatoon. That might be a little terrifying. I think that's what he needs. I think he's in the same boat as Absol, where what they really need is an evolutionary form that ups those base stats and gives him something to work with. I and I guess in the meantime, he will dance the dance of his people and sing the songs of his ancestors. The songs of his ancestors. All right, it is question of the week time, and we have quite a few answers from last week's question, which was to say we were asking what your opinions on the new fairy type are. The first respondent was Riven, who answered us through our 
uh, underground mailbag, and he writes, I'm still a little nervous about this new typing. First off, they go back and retrofit some Pokemon as Fairy and leave out Clefairy. It's Clefairy. Maybe it's too obvious to announce right now, but that strikes me as odd. I'd just like to add in my own little two cents here. The four Pokemon that they revealed that are going to be retroactively Fairy-type were only just a sample of Pokemon yeah. that were being retroactively refitted, so Clefairy could possibly become another normal Fairy-type. Absolutely. Uh, he continues, uh, Second, what will it be weak to? Steel is a good choice thematically, since iron-repelling Fey is a common fairy trope, but it's already a very strong type overall. Poison is currently only strong to grass, so making the thing that beats dragon lose to poison would be a fun twist. Uh, Mikey responded on our Facebook page by saying, You won't see me using one. Well, we'll see about that when XY <laughs> comes around. Indeed. Uh, Andy writes in, I'm undecided. So far I'm not impressed by either of the new fairy Pokémon. I want to see more of them and know more about their advantages, weaknesses, and move selections before making a decision. Uh, Kent said, I'm not really a fan. Maybe it'll be okay, but I'd rather not have to deal with the repercussions of a new type. Louisa writes in saying, I thought it was a joke until this post. I really hadn't researched it, and I thought it was a ridiculous, trolly joke. Robert said, I don't mind. The game looks fantastic, and all that adding a new type does is refine the balance, hopefully, and gives us more options. They've had a while to figure out the balance for this. I'm pretty sure we're going to see something that's pretty smooth and polished. Indeed. Uh, Omen writes in, I wasn't for the notion of the fairy type, but I can see a benefit to type balance. Poison and Steel find themselves on a very sad coverage map as an example. Now, I'm not going to speculate on what types do what with Fairy, but I do see the potential to make the game a little more productive so that all types have their utility, not just dragons and fighting types. Josh wrote in saying, Steve! That is all. I'm kind of terrified. I know! <laughs> now, that, now that Azumarill is coming for your dragon type, Sam... Well, I'm just scared of Steve, period. I, I mean, I've fought that guy on a number of occasions, and that thing just wipes the floor with me. <laughs> Doesn't even need the fairy type to be able to take me out. That being said, Scott wrote in saying, I'm hoping that it helps balance out the game a little bit more. I think I would have preferred a sound type first, but at least we didn't get a love type instead. Austin writes in saying, I was honestly excited just for the benefit of being able to use fairy types in Pokemon, considering I use a lot of fairy types in other games. It will be ideal to explore the possibilities of strengths and weaknesses with the fairy type as well, and the evolution ideas that will come to mind. Sam B. writes in, eh, maybe dragon types were overpowered in the metagame, maybe not. In all honesty, I don't see the need for a new type, but I'm neutral on it. It'll be fun to see which ones get retyped to fairy. Also, all fairy-type Pokémon will have nickname fr nicknames from the Bard's Midsummer's Night's Dream, to which a lot of people on the Facebook page responded in kind, saying that it was quite possibly one of the most ingenious ideas ever. <laughs> Afton wrote in with a quick, I adore it so much that I sound like Mr. Crocker. Yes. <laughs> 
We also have Mitch as our final respondent saying, Granbull better end up being the meanest looking fairy type out there. If you look at its species, it says fairy Pokemon. I, actually, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, That's, it does. Oh, all right. Also, you can bring Metronome onto Granbull. Mitch's love Metronome. <laughs> This week's question is a little was <laughs> something that we sort of just came up with right before recording, actually, because we realized we hadn't had one. But it's a good question. I think it's a great question. I really hope we get some interesting responses to it. And that is, what is your favorite Pokemon video game of all time and why? So, Natil, what is your favorite Pokemon game? I'm going with Heart Gold. Heart Gold is a very solid choice. There's a lot of things about Heart Gold and Soul Silver that I liked a lot, and the reason I'm choosing Heart Gold is because that was the one that I played. Um, I loved that your Pokemon could follow you around. I thought the menu functions were very, very solid in that game. I really loved everything about it, and for me, Heart Gold was the first Pokemon game where I ever actually defeated the Elite Four and the Champion. That's right. I keep forgetting that you had kind of just foo when it came to the Elite Four and all the previous ones. Every other Pokemon game I'd ever played, I would get all eight badges, I would get through the Elite Four, like I would get to the Elite Four, and either I would get through the E4 and lose to the champion, or I would just never be able to get through the Elite Four. And it was just one of those things where I... It, it was just like this massive stumbling block for me in my Pokemon playing days. And I've been playing since I was 10, so <laughs> that was a long time coming. But So HeartGold will always have a really special place in my heart because of that. I just realized something. That means it would have been I would have been 12 when I first started playing Pokemon. That makes me feel really old. Yeah, it does. It makes me feel really old, too. Let's not talk about that. Sam, Sam tell me. Tell well, me I can't about... really avoid that now that <laughs> I have the answer. Because your so... answer is just going to make it worse. Yep. My favorite Pokemon video game of all time is Pokemon Yellow. And why? And it's because that, well, I guess technically it's not the first version I ever played. I technically first tested out the Pokemon Waters with a copy of Pokemon Blue that one of my friends had. But Pokemon Yellow was the first copy that I ever owned, and I had it combined with Pokemon Stadium for the N64, and I played the heck out of that version of the game. And it was kind of one of those, it was my first introduction into the Pokemon video games, and I had so much fun playing it all the time. And I would take my Pokemon out of yellow, move them over to Stadium, and then reset the game so I could move them all back in and continue playing with some of the older Pokemon I'd had before. So <laughs> it was, I played the system with that, but it was really, it was just my first big introduction to it, and it's the one that I have the most memories of That's awesome. when it comes to that. I like it. Um, so... That's what we want to know this week, guys. Uh, what is your favorite Pokemon video game and why? It doesn't have to be one of the main series games. I mean, if you are all about Conquest, fantastic. That can absolutely be your favorite Pokemon video game of all time. If you're all about XD, I mean, that's <laughs> that's something, too. True story. So there's one of, you can respond in one of several ways. Um, you can respond to this episode's forum topic on the D20 Radio Network forums. That's d20radio.com backslash forums. 
You can also respond in tweet format to my Twitter handle at HotPinkJoystick or Sam's Twitter handle at Alexiel Solarin. We also have the Underground Mailbag that you can respond to in email. That is the Underground Mailbag at gmail.com. And as, rap- as is rapidly becoming our listeners' favorite way to respond to our questions of the week, we will have a question of the week topic on our Facebook page. That is facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Underground Podcast. enjoyed today's broadcast you can find back episodes of the underground on itunes or at our website theundergroundpodcast.wordpress.com please subscribe to the show via the itunes store or directly through the rss feed on our website if you like what you hear you can leave us a review or a rating on itunes and if you have any questions comments or suggestions send them with the nearest deli bird to our mailbag or you can just email us at theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com we'd also love to hear your bumpers Just record an MP3 of yourself telling us that you dig the underground and send it in. We'll play it at the top of the next episode. You can also join our discussions over on the D20 Radio Network forums at d20radio.com backslash forums and now on Facebook at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the underground podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll be unveiling our new double teams. So until next time, Poke fans, remember that our secret base is always open to you if you can find it. podcast is protected under a creative commons non-commercial no derivatives 3.0 unported license and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only pokemon is a registered trademark of nintendo game freak four kids entertainment and wizards of the coast music used in the show comes courtesy of the oc remix album the missing note tracks these songs and thousands more can be found at www.ocremix.org All original audio, textual, graphical, and video content associated with the Underground Podcast are the sole copyright intellectual property of Nathiel Erickson and Samuel Ranke in affiliation with the D20 Radio Network. And now for your Pokemon Pro Tip of the Week. The only thing cooler than flying around on a Volcarona is flying around on a Sigilyph.